Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Great day to be great. Let's talk some Kansas City Chiefs. Joining me, as always, co-host, aficionado, one of my favorite people, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, man? I uh, can't guarantee we won't have some sort of weird background noise, giggling, something. Zoe has multiple uh, girlfriends over, so <laughs> we'll see. And I told them, you know, hey, we're about to talk some Chiefs if they wanted to come in and join. I didn't even get a head nod. <laughs> I just I just walked away. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we, I, I at least want Zoe's take eventually on what wide receiver is going to emerge. But we have a few things to get to before we get to that conversation. As always, in these team previews going to be going through any coaching changes, roster changes throughout the offseason, and then go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, hitting on each and every one of the fancy relevant players on the Chiefs. So with that said, let's get into things. Plenty of continuity in Kansas City. Been a common theme over the better part of the past decade. Andy Reid back for his 10th year leading the Chiefs. Eric Bieniemy is back for his fifth year as offensive coordinator. Steve Spagnola his fourth year as defensive coordinator. Pretty common theme throughout this Mahomes era, which coincidentally is right when Bieniemy took over as the offensive coordinator. They're going to throw the hell out of the ball, and they're going to move at a pretty fast pace while doing it. Looking at non-garbage time pass play rates in 2018, they were sixth. 2019, they were sixth. Seventh and 20, or excuse me, sixth, seventh, third, and second from 2018 and 2021. Then looking at pace, courtesy of the fine folks at Football Outsiders, sixth, sixth, seventh, and third. Dwayne, we've seen Tyreek and Kelsey just go bonkers basically year in and year out because of how much they throw the ball and the pace they use with it. Now, losing Tyreek from the equation, yeah, Kelsey's going to get his, but as long as they keep throwing the ball like this and moving with such a sense of urgency, it would make sense to see either one other really high-end guy emerge, similar to Tyreek, or maybe two or three more complimentary type pieces put up some pretty decent numbers. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we'll dive deeper into that in a minute, like when we get to the positions. But, I mean, there's obviously a big opportunity here um, for someone, um, but we'll have to see how it shakes out. The biggest thing with the Chiefs is we know, I mean, Andy Reid's been pass-happy forever, yeah. right? He had a little brief stint there with Alex Smith where they leaned more into the running game with Jamal Under- Understandable. Right, and so he, he is willing to play to the strengths of his team. But I remember even back in the day with the Eagles – um, whenever he had like Todd Pinkston and James Thrash, <laughs> like the Eagles were still coming out, like especially back then, like throwing the ball, you know, more. Well, at least it seemed like it. I didn't have all this data back then, but like more than what the league throws it. John Madden and Pat Summerall told me that they were a pass happy team. I don't know for sure. You know, I'd have to go back and really, I haven't gone that that far back in Andy Reid's, uh, you know, playbook. But like looking at him over just like last year, uh, pass rates in games were leading by four or more, 78% versus only 70% for the league average. Passing in close games, which is when you're within three points, 68% versus 60% for the NFL average. And then whenever leading by four or more points, still pedal to the freaking metal, 61% of the time throwing the ball versus the league average of only 51%. So this really is one of the teams that across every single game script or game, or game flow type scenario, they really did continue to keep the pedal down. My thought is lo- losing Tyreek Hill, like how much they continue to do this. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is in the equation, so you're still going to be a pass-happy team. We could see it come down a little bit, but I think some of it does depend on the players themselves. Can one of you know the guys that you're about to go through step up, or can they come together you know as a group and be enough to replace Hill? And does that keep the team as pass happy? But no matter what, even if like you can't find someone to help fill that void, I don't see it being a situation where they would ever all of a sudden just be balanced. Like this is pass heavy. Like they could maybe turn into more of a pass balance type team, but I still anticipate them throwing the ball more than running it in every script. 
Again, lowest they've ranked is seventh in terms of being the most pass-happy offense in the NFL. I Again, I'd be hard-pressed to believe they've finished lower than 10th or 12th. But yeah, adjusting to their personnel would make a little bit of sense without Tyreek. But Patrick freaking Mahomes still under center. I think they're still going to be throwing the ball as much as possible. Looking at some of the roster moves, big shakeup in the backfield. Daryl Williams, who racked up 1,010 total yards last season with eight touchdowns, went ahead and signed with the Cardinals. I was on Ari's uh, podcast y- yesterday, Dwayne talking through some sleepers and stuff. Ari, I don't he didn't say specific numbers, but he said Daryl Williams got a one-year minimum deal. I have been scouring the internet trying to find that contract note. Doing that podcast with Ari for that information alone was great. So spare me the freaking panic with James Conner in Arizona. More on that when we get to the NFC West. Uh, Jarek McKinnon remains an unrestricted free agent. Wasn't that long ago that we were getting these quotes from Mahomes and stuff, talking about how much of a playmaker Jarek McKinnon was, and he played at least 70% of the offensive snaps in all three playoff contest he is still on the open market what did the Chiefs do to replace him Ronald Jones one year 1.5 million dollar deal just 750k guaranteed does have an extra 3.5 million in incentives yes he got beat up by Leonard Fournette but hey we did see him pass 1,000 total yards in both 2019 and 2020 Dwayne just quickly looking at these running back moves more available targets than any other offense in the NFL other than the Baltimore Ravens, but I don't really count that because Dobbins and Edwards were just hurt right. and now they're coming back. So if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is ever going to catch passes, this is the year. Yeah, and I think um, you could make an argument that if the other receivers can't step up, because look, as a receiver, like it's harder for you to to get targets because you there's a part of the job like you really have to do on your own. Running backs, a lot more of it can be scheme. You know, when they run around, it's behind the line of scrimmage. There's all these other receivers downfield. You know, you played linebacker. You can create space for running backs much easier just based on the way they get to line up in the formation. So think of a slot receiver and the advantage they get, right? Well, now think of it being a running back. You're starting off behind the line of scrimmage, and the linebacker has to, if you're in man coverage, like they have to come down. And typically in man, like you won't see passes to running backs. Like it's all the zone coverage. It's all the soft stuff where it's just like, okay, this covered, this covered. We'll throw it here but the screenplays are easy to set up. And that's something that Andy Reid is really good at. And I think that is the, that's the boom case for a guy like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is that he gets far more involved in the passing game and can really use that, you know, to lift his numbers. And, and we'll talk more about some of that data in a minute, but I think that that's how Clyde Edwards-Alaire ends up really coming through, um, you know, for the chiefs this year and for fantasy players. No real additional changes at quarterback and tight end. The only other running back add to the picture was Isaiah Pacheco in round six. Nice combination of size, five foot ten, two hundred sixteen pounds, and speed with that four three seven forty yard dash. But six round picks, just historically, we should not be expecting much of anything from them as rookies. Maybe something changes in training camp. Maybe he has a fantastic preseason. For now, we are not expecting Pacheco to factor into the running back rotation. Looking at wide receiver, though. Lots, lots of changes. Tyreek Hill obviously traded the Dolphins in return for five draft picks, including Dolphins 2022 first and second round picks. Obviously one of the league's best, if not the best playmaker during his time with Kansas City. Byron Pringle has gone and signed with the Bears. You know, 898 yards and 46 games with the Chiefs. Usually was just a purely complimentary piece, as was Demarcus Robinson, who has signed with the Raiders. Did start 42 of his 97 games since 2016. So again, not just Tyreek out of town. We actually lost these auxiliary 
pieces as well. And even Marcus Kemp remains an unrestricted free agent. The guys coming in to replace them, Sky Moore, 54th overall pick. Someone that PFF actually had as a first-round prospect, so he actually graded out as a major value at that spot. He'll be joined by Juju Smith-Schuster, who signed a one-year $3.25 million deal. Contract could be worth as much as $10.75 million, though, with those incentives. So, small deal with the incentives obviously does look quite a bit better. Still not as good as what Marquez Valdez-Scantlin got. Three years, $30 million, $15 million guaranteed. You know, career-high marks in receptions, just 38 receiving yards, 690 receiving touchdowns with six. Not screaming, number one receiver, but come on, like put on the guy's highlights. You watch him run past a number of secondaries enough times. I think you can start seeing what the Chiefs were doing here. And we also got Justin Watson for a one-year deal. So, Dwayne, um, looking back like at Moneyball, you know, the, the book and all that, <laughs> but like the, the movie, like the, when Brad Pitt, yeah. I, I love the movie, but when Brad Pitt was talking about replacing, uh, I think, Jason Giambi, he was like, look, we, we don't have enough money to actually go get Jason Giambi, but what if we can find three guys that throughout them uh, with a certain OBP, they can replace them? That kind of seems like what the Chiefs were doing here at Tyreek Hill. They know they weren't going to replace Tyreek, so they got an explosive yak guy underneath and Sky Moore. They got whatever the hell was left with Juju Smith-Schuster, and they got MVS to be the field-stretching talent. So, no, none of these guys equal Tyreek, but if you start taking, you know, if Tyreek's a 10 out of 10, MVS is a 4, Juju's a 3, Sky Moore's a 3.5, we start getting there a little bit. Yeah, I think you can see basically, to your point, the blueprint, right, that yeah. they had, which is to try to use all of these guys together, to your point, to replace Hill. And here's the thing like, Hill is just a really tough player to compare anyone to because. He's just so unique in the way that he can just really bend a defense. Like everything has to go to him, right? There, there really aren't that many receivers in the league that have his kind of speed and true yards after the catch, you know, like playmaking ability where, you know, basically, you know, it's always going to keep a defensive coordinator up at night. Are these three guys going to keep the coordinator up at night? No, but you still got to deal with Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be dealing the ball to him. So I think it's it's a situation where, you know, the Chiefs can still stay, stay afloat. I don't know that it'll work quite as well for football as it does for money ball, just because it's such a different <laughs> sport. But I think to your point, I, we can definitely see like what they were trying to do and kind of what the thought process was. Certainly could argue that, yeah, why not just have three Tyree kills in the same offense? I mean, it is 2022. So, yeah, slightly different sports. But, again, it does seem like that was the blueprint. And in at least one off season, you know, I think they did a fairly good job uh, with the, the kind of pieces they had out there. Let's get into the quarterback. And also for you YouTube viewers out there, for those of you that haven't checked out YouTube, shout out to some of our producers, Mike Quinn, Ethan Hornsby, Stone Rochelle, doing a lot of great work, getting us some graphics here on YouTube, trying to make the experience more enjoyable for you guys. Always got to look out for the video crowd out there. So with that said, let's start talking some Patrick Mahomes, Dwayne. We don't have Tyreek Hill. We have a four-game sample size of Mahomes without Tyreek Hill. It was actually weeks two through five during the 2019 season. On the surface, man, it, it was fine. I mean, QB1 overall, QB3, QB11, QB12, due for over 300 yards in each and every game. Everything looked pretty much fine. But the 2019 version of Mahomes was quite different than the guy we saw last year. I mean, pick a stat, any stat. Last year was the worst version we saw of Patrick Mahomes. PFF passing grade was 73.5. He'd never been lower than 81 before. Big-time throw rate, career low, 3.3%. Had never been lower than 5.7%. He did limit the turnover-worthy plays, which is good. But passing yards per attempt fell off 0.7 compared to his previous career high. Quarterback rating, career low. Average target depth, a career low. 
from a real-life perspective, we saw the worst version yet of Mahomes, but we still saw the flashes. I mean, really turned it up in the playoffs. The Steelers game, 404 yards, five touchdowns um, overall. Also went, you know, bonkers against the Bills. Even that Bengals game, like, I know the second half was shitty, but 275 yards, three touchdowns. My point here, Dwayne, even though we saw a bad, relatively bad, real-life version of Mahomes, he really didn't go anywhere in terms of fantasy. Like, 2018... He was a QB1 on a per-game basis, 2019, QB6, 2020, QB3. Last year, he was still the QB5 and actually scored more fantasy points per game than he did in 2019. So, yeah, we didn't have quite the same efficiency, but it still wasn't bad, and we had enough volume to make up for it, Dwayne. Over the past two seasons, only Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers have finished as a top-12 fantasy quarterback in a higher percentage of their starts than Mahomes. Look, I'm not saying he's going to shoot right back up to 2020 or 2018 levels, but even if he doesn't, man, I just think you're really hard-pressed to need more than one hand to rank the amount of quarterbacks that you want to rank ahead of Mahomes. Yeah, I just don't think you can get him, you know, to fall past five, like, in your ranks. You know, if someone wanted to get, you know, hyper-aggressive with Jalen Hurts, like, I I get it. I think you can make a big bull case for Jalen Hurts because of his rushing upside, all the weapons that he has. But I mean, man, you're you're kind of pressing your luck because just because Mahomes is so good. I mean, and it's not just, you know, where he's finished in the ranks. I mean, we've had a passing explosion, but I mean, look at I mean, twenty six point nine points per game. Obviously, that was 2018, 21, 25.2, 22.3. So, I mean, you're consistently getting, you know, right around that 22 to 25 points per game. You know, do we think he has that 25, 26 point per game upside this season? I would argue he probably doesn't, right? But you know you're probably still going to get somewhere between like 21, 22 per game. I'll be surprised like if it really dips below that. We, we could see him have a, a 20 point game, you know, per game season. We've seen that with a lot of these, a lot of these quarterbacks over history. You know, a lot of times, you know, they'll be really good. They're consistently in the same range. But every once in a while, they'll have a really big efficiency year that's great. And, but you can also have the other side of it, right, where your efficiency just dips one year. And it, some of it can just be variance. We're dealing with, you know, 17-game seasons. And so could we see a situation where Mahomes finishes as, you know, the QB7, even playing 17 games? Like, yeah, that, that could happen. But again, like, that's, that's really your floor. And he's starting to slide in ADP. You don't have to pay quite as much as you used to. I still think, you know, it can be a tad high, just depending on where you're drafting. Um, but, yeah, I mean – I think it is going to impact him to not have Hill. I think it's tougher to, to have the bull case, but the floor is absolutely still there for Mahomes as a top five guy. Nobody in the history of NFL football has averaged more fantasy points per game at the quarterback position than Patrick Mahomes. Like, th- that's what it is. So, yeah, maybe he does sink down a little bit, just have a very hard time getting him out of the top five. Is he five for you, Dwayne? I have him four. I would take Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and Justin Herbert ahead of him. I would, I would take Mahomes ahead of Lamar Jackson, though. Uh, yeah, I have it. I have him in the top five and I have Lamar ahead of him. Um, it's just, it's the bull case, man. Like, and and again, that's why I say if you wanted to push Hertz above him, like to me this year, like the, the latest you should consider Mahomes would be more like in the Brady burrow tier. But the difference with Mahomes is like, he still does. He's not a zero in the run game, right? He'll still, he'll, yeah, he'll still throw 300 yards rushing up there for you. He can score rushing touchdowns. So, you know, he's not, He's not at the level, right, of Brady and Burrow as far as like zero rushing yards kind of expectation. Maybe, you know, you might throw him down there for 20 yards. Um, So that's the difference of what still keeps him ahead of those guys, you know, for me. Um, But I'm fine taking Lamar over again. And it's just for that extreme upside case. But, you know, to your point, like, I don't, even though there's all these changes, like, would we be surprised if Mahomes came out and even without Tyreek Hill just finished as the QB one in fantasy? Like, you know, so I don't want to sit here and act like he doesn't have a bull case. It's just tougher to see without Tyreek Hill. 
And even the the Lamar best case ceiling is better than Mahomes because it's better than any quarterback in NFL history. Right. 2019 Lamar Jackson averaged a single season high 27.7 fantasy points per game. But 2018 Mahomes, man, 26.1. Like we're in the same ballpark already. I am more confident, I think, in Mahomes' potential standing as a top five quarterback than Lamar. And just, I, I think, playing the ADP game a little bit. Like we're still well, I, seeing yeah. Kyler and Lamar going in round five, even round six, Dwayne. I can't believe it. Yeah. And so that's part of it. You're getting those two guys later. Um, I think the other, you know, the other, so like looking at underdog, like right now, well, this is as of yesterday, the data as of yesterday, you've got Pat Mahomes with an ADP of 40. You've got Justin Herbert at 45, but then you get, you get uh, Lamar Jackson at 52 and you get Kyler Murray at 61, right? So that's, and, and Jalen Hurts at 64. So you're getting those guys two rounds later than Patrick Mahomes. Um, So that's one thing. But what I will say for Mahomes, what's nice about him when you take him, I have one Mahomes team. It's super easy because you take him first. Well, Kelsey goes, then he goes. All the rest of the team is still there. So like if you want to build a Kansas City super stack, like you can do it. Tom Brady's kind of the same way. Like you can do that with the Buccaneers. Um, You can do it, you know, with the Bengals. But a lot of the other quarterbacks, like, you know, by the time you take them, you know, a lot of their other, you know, it can be harder to build your stack. So with Mahomes, like there's so many options later in the draft and you don't have to reach for them. Like I have, I have some interest in going ahead and building out some teams that way, just because like, to your point, if Mahomes does go ham and we know that he can, and even though some of these receivers we're about to talk about, we may not be super excited. We know that he could lift them, right? It is potent. It's, it's, it's a possibility, you know, that the offense still goes off and everybody gets there. So I like Mahomes because of that. It's just I'll probably won't take him, and you can give me your thoughts, but I'm not going to take him unless he slides past ADP. Like I saw somebody post on Twitter yesterday. I can't remember who it was, but Hayden immediately responded to it, um, Hayden Winks. But somebody got Mahomes, I want to say like 20 spots past ADP. Oh, man, I would be all over it then. Like you definitely want to grab it. I just don't want to reach for him. Absolutely. And that's why I'm looking at my best ball exposure right now. And it's Kyler and Lamar as a top two, because yeah, I don't, I, they're in that tier. Like they are in the same tier. You could even argue Kyler is in that tier ahead with Josh Allen. With that in mind, yeah, I'll just wait and take those guys. But if the ADPs are going to change up, Mahomes is going more as the four or five. Absolutely willing to pounce on that. As always, don't hate the player, just hate the ADP. Let's look at some running backs here. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Ronald Jones, Derek Gore, and Isaiah Pacheco, as we mentioned before. All right, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He comes into the league. He's having a good, albeit not great, rookie season. December suffers a grade three ankle strain and a hip strain. Terrible injury. Wasn't able to really be that big of a factor down the stretch throughout the playoffs. Comes back season two. Well, actually comes back and we didn't even know that he had gallbladder surgery in March. Said that he was down to 160 pounds. And this is an exact quote from CEH. Was down to about 160 pounds, and then before I knew it, it was my first time of getting a rep with the football from the Super Bowl was the first OTA practice. That was basically him coming into the year. Starts to get his legs under him. What happens in August? Grade 2 ankle sprain. October, grade 2 knee sprain. December, bruised shoulder right when he has his sick goal line touchdown run against the Steelers to help shut up all those idiots that were saying the guy couldn't score inside the five-yard line from his rookie year. Not saying he's the best running back in the world, but go back and watch those runs and like show me a running back that would be finding a way to score there, save for prime Marshawn Lynch. Uh, sorry, Seahawks fans. But looking at Clyde, man, the big issue, 
It's just been volume. Last, and we talked about this throughout the regular season last year, Dwayne. Like, when he wasn't getting the targets, like, we're, we were comparing him to Jamal Charles and Brian Westbrook and all these guys because Andy Reid got him, but Clive wasn't getting that same role. Last season, he was the RB38 in expected fantasy points per game. RB39, actually. As a rookie, he was RB15, so that was a little better, and he accordingly finished as the RB21. But last year, for him to actually finish as the RB30 in PPR points per game, like, we would have expected him to do worse than that just based on the volume he was getting. So is Clyde great? Absolutely not. You look at PFF rushing grade, yards per carry, yards after contact per carry, missed tackles, force per carry. Doesn't rank higher than 30th in any of those out of 85 qualified backs. But man, we talked about this with Saquon. We can't just hold bad efficiency or bad broken tackle metrics against one guy and not the rest of them. Like, Clyde Brzezolera has the same PFF rushing grade as Javante Williams and Elijah Mitchell. He has averaged more yards per carry than Alvin Kamara over the past two years, more yards after contact per rush than Antonio Gibson, more missed tackles forced per carry than James Robinson. Now, I'm being a little bit selective here, but my point is Clyde is not bad enough, in my opinion, to just fade as the lead running back in a likely top five, if not top 10, maybe top 10 worst case, in my opinion, scoring offense when he's now looking at the largest receiving role of his career. Like, yeah, it's unfortunate that we even had to talk about getting Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon out of the picture for this to happen, but it did happen. Jarek's gone. Daryl's gone. There are more available backfield targets for Clyde and the Chiefs backfield in general, again, than anyone other than the Ravens. So, Dwayne, like, I just think if we if we just talked if I said everything that I just said and we just didn't tell the people like what player I was talking about, everyone would be like, all right, like let's draft him round one, round two. You don't even have to. He's going round six, round seven. I still have him ranked RB23. I love getting Clyde Edwards Hilaire where he's going in drafts right now. Cause man, just again, having these running backs available in round six to ten right now, I think it just gives you so much roster flexibility. Go get that quarterback. Go get Mark Andrews early, whatever you want to do, because we have such a good profile sitting for us right here in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, so with Edwards Hilaire, I mean, earlier in the offseason I wasn't as as warm you know to him but the more he's just one of he's climbed more than really any player in my ranks so i mean i think i started off with him down like in the 30s i have him at 21 now um you know for for running backs you know higher than me Woo, let's go yeah so yesterday i wrote up you know my um top 150 um and i've got clyde as you know i did a list of guys where i'm notably above or below adp he was definitely in the above section. I've, I've got, you know, right now he's going on underdog at pick 77. I have him worthy of pick 50. I mean, so you don't have to take him there, but, you know, I mean, he's going two rounds after really where he should be, in my opinion. Um, now, to your point, like, and I don't have to rehash all of it, like, he comes with a lot of warts. At the end of the day, like, I can sum it up this way. He couldn't beat out Daryl Williams and Jarrett McKinnon. Like, that, that's a bad thing, right? But what clouds it, is we don't know how much of it is really Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus all the injuries that he's battled. Like, that's the thing that's really tough for me to separate. And if I didn't know that he had battled all these injuries, if he had been healthy all this time and still put up, you know, these terrible numbers, you know, below average on explosive rate, missed tackles, fours, yards, African, all the stuff you mentioned, he is below the marks that we want to see. If we knew he had been healthy all that time, it would be a different story. I would just be out on Clyde Edwards-Alaire or saying, you know, fine, seventh round ADP is good. But knowing the fact that they still have first-round draft capital, they really haven't brought in that. Look, we all like Ronald Jones. We'll talk about him in a minute as an early-down grinder. But I don't think Ronald Jones is any kind of threat to really get the passing down work, which is what I care about the most in the Chiefs' offense. 
And knowing that Andy Reid has a history of really working the running backs into the fold whenever he's needed to, one of the better screen game guys, at least historically speaking, they just haven't had to, right? Because you have Tyree Kill, you have Travis Kelsey, but you saw this, this offense start to shift even last year because of all the two high shells and everything that they were facing. And we'll see. They may not be able to, they may not do that anymore with, with Tyree Kill, you know, gone. Like the, the way that defenses are now playing the Chiefs may, may change with Hill gone. But the bottom line is, I think it's easier to create targets. Um, for a running back than it is for receivers on a consistent basis. Yeah, you can throw the wide receiver screens, but you can't do that every play, right? Eventually, like, that'll just be a pick six and it'll be gone. You can do a lot of that, you know, with the running backs. And so I think the natural progression here, and part of why I'm higher on Edwards-Alaire also, we're going to talk about the receivers in a minute. I'm just not super confident that any of one of them can really step up and be the guy to just take over a big workload outside of what Kelsey's getting. I think it's going to be spread around across all these guys, and knowing the scheme that he plays in and you know, knowing Andy Reid's old bag and the thing that he used to be able to reach into, I think Edwards Alaire will be the passing down back. Now look, looking at Clyde over the last two years, even in his targets per route run, like not very high. But again, the Chiefs overall did not throw the ball a lot to the backs, right? Patrick Mahomes never has. Remember Kareem Hunt's um, you know, huge rookie season? Then Patrick Mahomes comes in and takes over, and even Kareem Hunt, an elite passing down back, his targets per route run went down with Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes is just such a down down the field you know type guy. I don't think MVS is going to give you the kind of shots that Tyreek Hill had. I, I think to your point, Ian, you you mix it all together, you stir the drink up, you could still have a good drink, but at the end of the day, I think this means a much more balanced offense, and I think Clyde Edwards-Lair has to be a big part of it in the passing game. And I'm just willing to put a chip on it. Like, if I'm going to put one chip on the Chiefs' offense at this point outside of Mahomes, I at ADP, I think it is Clyde Edwards-Lair. Like, I, it, it used, I love Sky Moore, too. We'll talk about him in a minute. But it, I used to just be Sky Moore. Now it's like I love drafting Edwards-Lair, and I love drafting Sky Moore. Those are my two favorite Chiefs right now. And the targets haven't been there, to your point, but it's not terrible because of a lot of that play volume. So over the past two seasons, Chiefs running backs, their first in total routes run, only 12th in targets. Like, I'm not saying they're going to be first and first next year, but man, if we just see that start to have a little bit more of an emphasis, all of a sudden we're talking about a top five, top six offense and targets with Clyde not sharing them with anybody. Like, if man... You could not pick a better running back to not take away targets from Clyde than Ronald Jones. That's just a fact. Nothing against Jones, Rojo, the Jones family, whatever. I, we're going to say some really nice things about him as a rusher in a minute. But he is objectively a terrible receiver. And Derek Gore is not going to do that. And I don't think Isaiah Pacheco is going to do that. I loved your point about the fact that Andy Reid, like, he has leaned on his running backs more in the passing game in past years when he hasn't had a number one receiver like Tyree Kill, which honestly, you can go back 20 years. They had T.O. on the Eagles in that great 2004 season, a little bit of 2005. Towards the end of that Eagles tenure, they had that nice one-two punch with uh, Deshaun Jackson and a young Jeremy Macklin. Other than that, man, I mean, the big storyline for those McNabb Eagles was usually the absence of a number one receiver. He comes to the Chiefs and has that one season where not a single wide receiver even scored a touchdown. Like, before they had Tyree Kill, man, we were seeing Jamal Charles. Even Spencer Ware had an RB17 season. So, just real quick before we kind of... It goes back a long way. I mean, Brian Westbrook, Deuce Staley. I mean, they're, they're let me, let me read it for the people. It's absurd, oh, Okay, man. sorry, my bad, from, my bad. From 99 to 2002, Deuce Staley finished as the RB11, RB12, RB11, RB12. 15 from 2003 to 2009 Brian Westbrook 19th 5th 7th 4th 1st 
first and 36th in PPR points per game. LaShawn McCoy, RB3, RB3, RB8. Jamal Charles, 1, 7, 2. Spencer Ware, 17th. Kareem Hunt, 5th and 8th. Only in the last three years have we seen this drop-off, and that came with Damian Williams in 2019, RB25 in PPR points per game. Last two years, Clyde has finished as the RB21 and the RB30. So it's not bad, but man, Dwayne, if we put those 20 years on a graph, a hell of a lot of those years are going to be finishing in the top 12. And these last three, you could argue, are just a blip on the radar. So for me, I have Clyde RB23 still ahead of expectation. And I'm taking him ahead of guys like Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell that currently have higher ADP right now because we are playing half or full point fantasy football per reception most of the time. And we just got to play that game. Clyde has the higher potential. I just love when I go to look these guys up in my databases, like there's not, there, there's a Ronald, you know, there's, it's Ronald Jones and there's a Clyde, like these old school names. We got <laughs> Ronald and Clyde, like leading the Kansas city backfield. And I love it. But yeah, I, I think we're in a, it's honestly, and we're still early, you know, in the off season, you know, so sometimes we have these overreactions that will start to correct themselves. I do think that Clyde Edwards, Alaire, that his ADP is going to climb. I do think that as people come to reason with themselves, as they start to think about some of the injuries, the fact he's still got the first round capital. And again, look, we don't like to force backs up the board into the dead zone just because they're there. But Clyde just hasn't had the fair shake. So I think his ADP is going to probably move in, I would say, around minimum. I think it could move more than that. Like I think that the move could could be bigger than that, especially over in PPR formats. We'll have to wait, you know, and see. Um, because look, as much as people may get mad at Clyde Edwards Alaire, like people are also done with Ronald Jones. So I don't see Ronald Jones really climbing boards. I think Edwards Alaire, you know, probably climbs around or around and a half would be my guess by the time we're into late August. People always want to talk shit about guys like Clyde until they start doing their projections. And they see that like, unless you think this Kansas city offense is going to tank, which I don't, Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to put up some pretty damn good numbers. I do have a dream that next year, I mean, I'm not wishing this. It's just a joke. So put up with me for a second, but if Travis Kelsey leaves Kansas City, let's say the Chiefs go ahead, they trade up for Jackson Smith and Jigba, they go sign old friend Ricky Seals-Jones, we could be looking at an all-hyphen-skill oh position group, man. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the amount of last names in Kansas City, patently absurd. Let's talk a little bit about Rojo. Unlike CEH, some pretty damn good rushing efficiency numbers. He has been a top 20 running back in PFF rushing grade. Yards per carry and yards after contact per carry over the past two seasons. And that group of 84 running backs. Like, for everything that's been bad about Rojo, just getting in Bruce Arians' doghouse, you know, catching a touchdown against the Bears and the ref telling him he dropped it. Like, even Rojo doesn't trust Rojo as a receiver. He is good <laughs> with the ball in his hands. And that seems to not have been lost on Andy Reid. When they signed Rojo, this is what Andy Reid specifically said. He's a tough runner with good vision. I'll take that. He needs that opportunity to feel like he's a major part of this thing. We'll give him that. I've got Clyde in there too. So just help take some pressure off and they'll work together and be a pretty good combo. Could that be coach speak? Sure. But look on the back of that. They didn't add any other running backs. Daryl and Jarek are not back in the picture, and they only use a six-round back on Pacheco. I said this before this offseason. It's not a one-for-one one similarity, but... You know, what is? They're different teams and different players. I do think Rojo could be this year's version of James Conner pre-Chase Edmonds injury, as I just smack my microphone because I have my hands flying around like Ricky Bobby. 
with that in mind, man, look, he's going to be the goal line back in a top offense. He's a veteran rusher available outside the top 40 running backs a lot of times. And I just think people are not drafting him because it's Ronald Jones. He sucks. Like the dude didn't have multiple thousand yard seasons by accident in Tampa Bay. He got beat out by Leonard Fournette, but you know, Leonard Fournette is one of what the top 10 kind of like most hyped recruit running backs ever. Like, it's not the worst guy to lose your job to. I know that uh, Fournette, he kind of has his haters as well. But for me, it would not be surprising if Rojo finds his way into the end zone 10 plus times, even if Clyde is completely healthy for 17 games. Now, he doesn't have the same best case scenario as Connor. If Clyde gets hurt, I'm not saying Rojo would be playing the 80-90% role that we saw Connor get last year. But as we saw last year, Connor was giving us RB2 value even before Edmonds got hurt. Dwayne, again, man, it's just about that ADP. And to see Rojo there round 10 or later, I am perfectly fine signing him on as my RB4 or 5 when I've already gotten a bunch of wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, look, Ronald Jones, um, no offense to 1L Daryl Williams, but like he's a far better player <laughs> than what we have with Daryl Williams. So, I mean, I think that's the one thing you could say um, about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. As much as people don't like Rojo, I think he's a definite upgrade, at least, you know, in the ground game. Daryl Williams, where he became a blocker for... Well, you know, no pun intended, where he became a blocker for Edward Delaire <laughs> was being out there on the long down and distance stuff and stealing two minute work. So I think the role for Ronald Jones will be pretty clear. I think he'll handle probably 40%, you know, maybe 45%, up to like 50% of the rushing attempts, you know. And I, I think, you know, Edward Delaire will handle the other half, but really get the passing down work. You know, the key is can we stay away from a third back, you know, really being involved? If you can just have two guys, I think they can both deliver value. And then to your point, if one or the other goes down, like, wow, you're sitting on a complete gold mine, you know, in an offense that, you know, even though it's going to, it might take a little step back with, you know, Tyreek Hill, it's still got a great quarterback, right? So we're going to put our chips on, you know, the offenses that have the great quarterback. So with Ronald Jones, I mean, you hit on all this stuff. Like he's, he's, he's better than the NFL average on most metrics. Now last year it wasn't, he did regress a little bit, but again, sometimes these things can be blips. It's not always perfect. You know, his explosive um, rush rate, you know, typically have been 12 and 11%, and it dropped down to 8%. The NFL average is 10.5%. You know, missed tackles force, only 13%, you know, per attempt, only 13%. Last year, you know, looking at, you know, the NFL average is 17%. But in all the seasons previous to that, like he had really been above, you know, those marks. So it's nothing where it's not like, you know, when we look at Ronald Jones, he's not old. Like he's going to be 25.1 years old whenever the season starts. So yeah, actually Jones is another guy that I do like targeting in drafts. You can get him between, you know, rounds 10 and 11, depending on what, you know, format that you're drafting on, but he's definitely one of the priority, uh, you know, and he's not even really just a handcuff, right? He, he has spike week upside yeah. plus, he gives you that contingent value. Should Clyde Edwards, Alaire get hurt or for some reason stumble. And, and who knows, like, We've seen weirder things happen. Like all of a sudden, Ronald Jones is getting to play some passing downs because he has to. You know, players do get better. You know, I know it's it, it, especially at that kind of thing. Look, you're not going to ask him to run. We got to work it in, Ian. You're not going <laughs> to ask him to go out there and run Texas routes. You know, against <laughs> the linebackers of safety, he's not going to run like a wheel or a bullet. But look, running a swing route just to the side and somebody just dumping the ball off to you. And I know even that's been hard for Ronald Jones, which is why people jump all over him. And there's lots of funny clips of these things happening to Ronald Jones. But like, look, he, he can just body catch the damn thing, Ronald. Don't worry <laughs> about using in your hands or any of that anymore. Just body catch it. It doesn't matter. And so, yeah, I like both of these players, especially at their ADP. 
Want to note that this podcast is sponsored by FanDraft. Are you holding an in-person fantasy football draft party this year? Then you need to check out FanDraft.com. FanDraft is a modern, digitalized version of those old sticker boards we used to use at our drafts. However, unlike those outdated sticker boards, FanDraft makes your fantasy draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as custom logos, draft clock, team walk-up songs, a streaming news ticker, and much more. FanDraft works by running your league's draft from the FanDraft.com website and then exporting your display onto a large-screen TV for the league to enjoy. It can also be used fully online. Any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. So sign up for a free trial account at FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure you use promo code PFF to save 15% off your purchase. That's FanDraft.com with code PFF. Also, the best place to play fantasy football this summer is over at Underdog Fantasy. Fantastic deal for you listeners. Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. And if you play just $10 using promo code PFF, you'll get a free PFF subscription. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to UnderdogFantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball many a team today. Dwayne, I'm a bit of a night owl. Probably go to bed around 2 a.m. More nights than not. It's just my thing. Whatever. I think waking up early is overrated. If you put the work in, who the hell cares what time uh, it is? With all due respect to you know our Marines out there listening to this podcast. You know if it works for you, great. Do your thing. I like to stay up late. So it's like 1:30. Have my bowl of popcorn. Have my Gatorade. I was, I was I was done with the brews. Maybe smoke a little something. But I wanted to read my book and play an underdog fantasy best ball draft at the same time. Loved it. You know. In between picks, I'm just reading reading some words. I'm reading this uh, oral history on Days of Confused right now. Fantastic book. Enjoying it a lot. And I got to the end of the draft, and it was round 18. And I just got your fucking head in my mind, and I drafted Romeo Dobbs because I already had Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And I was like, well, and I can get that Week 17 correlation going here, Dwayne. So two Way fit- to go, Ian. Welcome to the club, man. So Welcome to the club. I'm proud of you. About... 13 hours ago, I was just cursing you alone in my living room at like 2.15 a.m. as I made a smart week 17 stack. So there it is, Dwayne. I listen. I'm not out on week 17 stacks, but I don't have to like it, okay? Yeah, I appreciate it. Look, and you coming on here and owning up to the the fact that you did it. And look, you don't have to do it all the time. It was just a little tiebreaker. You know, at that point, you're taking a receiver that may not be playing anyway. Why not take the one that stacks up against your team? That's it. All right, let's talk about the main event here. Some of these wide receivers, Sky Moore, Marquez, Valdez-Scantling, Juju Schmitz-Suster, Miko Hardman, Josh Gordon, maybe, Darius Fountain, Justin Watson. Nice, nice, albeit not great crew we got here. A lot of potential, though. Quickly, with Sky Moore, I want to read you guys what Mike Renner and the fine NFL draft crew wrote about him in our 2022 NFL draft guide. Again, PFF was higher on Sky Moore than just about anyone, and this is why. Where he wins, elusiveness, in a class with some seriously shifty wideouts, Moore would be my bet to win if they all played tag. He's not only shifty, but he's also so strong he's unaffected by an outstretched arm. That alleviates some level of competition concerns. What's his role? Yak weapon. He's not a guy you want primarily on the outside, but I don't think he's a slot only either. He can win in a number of ways, but he makes his money when featured in the underneath portion of the field. Where he can improve? Deep route tree. Moore needs some seasoning on the intermediate and deep routes. He can already get free underneath, but doesn't bring the same refinement down the field. Dwayne did some great studies earlier this offseason about, you know, yards per route run, targets per route run against single man coverage. He had some better numbers in those than Jamison Williams, Drake London, guys that, you know, were going far ahead of him in the draft. Competition changes things. Size changes things a little bit. But, man, for the Chiefs to make him a second-round pick, like we said before the draft, whoever goes to the Packers, whoever goes to the 
Chiefs. We're going to see them boom because of the situation. Sky Moore got that, and at a minimum, he seems to check enough boxes to have a top 24 finish in his potential range of outcomes as early as this year. Yeah, I'm 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 in love with Sky Moore. Um, and I, and the ADP Whoa. I like. Need pause. It, I, I need it. Pause. I need it to. No, no pause. To okay. <laughs> you want me to really pause? Do I need to write a letter and like, show it to the screen? But look, it, I hope the ADP doesn't keep you know going up. But um, you know, if it does, like I've gotten my exposure and I'll start to lay off because it is it's getting you know borderline kind of it's getting crazy, but. Looking at what he's done on, you know, staple routes. So a lot of people look at Sky Moore and they're like, oh my gosh, comes from Western Michigan, small school, blah, blah, blah. And I get it, right? It does matter. The, the, where you play and the cornerbacks you face, those things have to be baked in. But just looking at, you know, really what the NFL likes to do, and I did this study earlier in the season on staple routes. So 65% of the NFL routes come on hitch, out, crossing, slant, go, and in routes. And the way I chose those routes is I basically just put a cutoff, like once you got to any kind of route in the NFL that, that doesn't make up at least 7% of the targets in the league between 2019 and 2021. So it wasn't just arbitrary, like I just go pick what 65% I wanted. It's basically, okay, what what routes were at least 7% you know, of the NFL targets over those three seasons? Because it, it drops off really quick after that. Like you drop down like two spots from there and you get to a speed out, which is 3%. You know, a post is 3%, a corner is 3%. Back shoulder fade. We all love a good back shoulder fade. It's only 1.5% of the targets in the league, right? So while we like to watch it on TV and it's nice for a player to have it in their back pocket, it's just not used that much in the NFL. Maybe used more for like players that are really good at it, certain quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers. But when you look at Sky Moore and you look at him across those staple routes that I talked about, no other receiver in this class had as good of a yards per route run on those um, particular routes at 4.42, and it wasn't really close. And so you can set it aside a little bit that, that no one was even really close just because, and you can say, okay, fine, it was lesser competition. But, I mean, we're talking about like doubling up guys like Alec, Alec uh, Pierce, doubling up guys like Christian Watson, almost two times as good as those guys. So fine, you can you can discount him a little bit for the school that he went to. But the bottom line is, like, I don't think we can say that he's a guy that just isn't ready because he came from a small school. I think, you know, a lot of the things that he did really well in college, you know, translate at the NFL level. I'm also going to put some trust in Andy Reid, you know, to move him around, do some different things schematically. Um, is he going to probably have some bumps along the road because he is a rookie coming from a small school? Yeah, for sure. But I mean, if we had just thought that about Antonio Brown and some of the other guys that have come from these smaller schools, like we would have completely missed. So, you know, more, I know that the landing spot is pushing him up, but at the same time, like this data, plus having the second round draft capital, getting to play with Patrick Mahomes, like, like I get it. If you're in a dynasty league and you're a purist and you want to take, you know, uh, my number one receiver in the draft class was Garrett Wilson. And so that's fine. You still want to take Garrett Wilson over him in a, in a, in a, in a dynasty league. But I think in redraft, it's really tough to not put Sky Moore probably as the third receiver, probably off the, off the board of all the rookies. Let's see. I have Drake London, Traylon Burks, and coming in. Okay. I have Sky Moore right next to Chris Olave. I think that's a fair debate. Yeah. Might bump him up after we're done with this conversation. The first Chiefs receiver off the board. Right, Dwayne? We're taking Sky Moore first. Yeah. Well, Sky Moore is definitely my favorite. Like, and I mean, well, the reasons why are for the ones I just gave. But it's in combination with what we're about to talk about with Juju, um, with MVS, and with, with the rest of the crew. Juju Smith-Schuster, real name John. So technically could go by John, John Smith. Could go by John Smith if he wanted to. I don't know. Get a little change of uh, change of scenery going there. I don't know. 
Can't find him in the phone book that way, for sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With Juju Smith-Schuster, he's been terrible the last three years. Pick a stat, any stat. PFF receiving grade, last three years, 102 wide receivers with at least 100 targets. 84th, yards per route run, tied for 86. Yards per catch, 96. His average target depth is 93rd. So when you see guys catching the ball this close to the line of scrimmage, you would like to hope they're going to rank very highly in yards after the catch per reception. No, 40th in that. Targets per route run. He's at least getting peppered with targets, right? No, 62nd. I'm tired of people going back five years ago to tell me to draft Juju in 2022, Dwayne. No other receiver gets this benefit of the doubt. Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Devontae Parker all put up six seasons in 2018, 2019 as well. What do people say about them? They're washed or they suck. For some reason, purely from moving from Pittsburgh, who has seen Juju, the whole Juju experience, and they did not care enough to try to bring him back for another year. Juju was the one that took less money to go back to Pittsburgh last year. They didn't even want him this uh, this past year. Juju basically made it happen. Look, man, we see the history of wide receivers that leave in free agency. It's not good. The only ones that do really tend to work out are the ones that get a lot of money. That is not what Juju got. Like, yeah, it's cool he got a bunch of incentives, the deal's like half or even a third of what he was being offered from the Chiefs this time last year. That doesn't sound good. He's the second highest paid receiver they brought in this class. A lot of those things we just said about Sky Moore seems to overlap with what Juju does. I could argue Miko Hardman has a lot of overlap with what Juju does at this point in his career. Why should we draft Juju, Dwayne, other than because he was good four years ago? Yeah, it's only a bet on you know that one good season and and the Chiefs offense. So, I, I mean, I get why people are doing it. And so when he really slides past ADP, I actually took him in a draft for the first time. You know, I've been on this Juju train for a while now <laughs> and basically basically letting people know, look, this, this is not good. Like, these underlying data points are not good. Here's the thing Juju has going for him. You know, one of the easiest ways to find guys that are eventually going to have another wide receiver one season is to find guys that have already had one. <laughs> But here's the problem with Juju, um, and you don't find profiles like this. He did it. Then year three, Antonio Brown leaves You know the team. Juju's only out there 66% of the routes. He did battle a toe and some different injuries You know, and didn't really do well. In year four, he, he managed to come back and post another wide receiver two finish, 234 fantasy points. Not near the 297 he had in year two, but 234 was solid. You got a, you know, a PPR that's a tier two player, a tier two wide receiver. And, but the problem is this. His PFF receiving grade was actually a wide receiver five, 67.7. His targets per route run, 19%, were wide receiver four numbers. Then you go to year five. Now, last year, look, he was hurt. He only played 21% of the routes, you know, because of the injuries. But a 60.8 PFF receiving grade, that's a wide receiver six plus. Targets per route run of 17%, that's equivalent of a wide receiver six plus. So this is something that's been going on now really for three years. Juju hasn't posted um, a wide receiver three or better PFF receiving grade in three seasons. He hasn't, he hasn't posted a wide receiver four or better targets per route run in the last three seasons. And then when you just look at his overall you know, body of work, you're just really relying on that one time. And look, it, it, it could happen. Like That could still be a leading indicator. But the problem is just all of this underlying stuff. The underlying data tells us that actually like Juju just somehow defied odds to have a wide receiver two season in year four. Like He really wasn't even good enough. He was just on an offense that threw the ball a lot. He didn't have as much target competition. And I, it's funny because everybody's like, well, it's just all Ben Roethlisberger. I'm like, well, then what was Deontay Johnson's problem? <laughs> what was Chase Claypool's problem right. you know, as a rookie? 
you know, if we're going to use this for Juju, you got to, you know, well, no, he's running routes over the middle and he was getting medicine balls. I'm like, come on, people. Like, just stop with the excuses. It is what it is. This is a former wide receiver one who has a declining profile that plays in a good offense. And fine, if you want to put a chip on that, go ahead. But don't give me all the excuses of why Juju's really still a good receiver. Like, we haven't seen it in three seasons three years since he's actually posted any underlying data to support your thesis that juju smith schuster is a really good receiver so could it happen yeah i'm only going to be gaining exposure to juju when it's past adp i'm i'm just i'm out like it's just too high right now like i mean he's going in the fifth rounds of of fantasy drafts that's just man like and and the other look Receiver gets tough, so I think that's the other part, Ian. And you and I have talked about it. Like, receiver, you you get into the middle, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I have 50 questions about every one of these players that I'm staring down. And I think that also helps Juju because it becomes a familiar name on an offense that people want to like. So I get it, but I think his ADP is inflated for those reasons, and I just I don't want to buy the inflated price tag. I don't think it's a guarantee – by week eight that he's starting in three wide receiver sets. It could be a four wide receiver rotation. Like Miko Hardman, I know he hasn't lived up to expectations, but he's 24 years old. Like he's coming off career highs and targets, receptions, receiving yards, and he's working in those same underneath areas of the field, just like Sky Moore. I mean, if anyone is just guaranteed to be out there on the field, it's MVS. Like he is going to be their field stretcher that is going to probably take a lot of those deep routes. Tyreek Hill is going to run. I would say from a pure target perspective, you can put Juju ahead of MVS just based on what we've seen in the past and MVS's own kind of issues demanding targets. But man, Dwayne, like if there was going to be, and we haven't talked about the Packers yet, but the thing with Alan Lazard, that the people that are really high in Lazard, the argument comes down to like, okay, he's never demanded targets. Why is that going to change? If it was going to change, if there was going to be someone that didn't demand targets for a good reason, it probably would be someone like Lazard or like MBS who had to share an offense with Devontae freaking Adams. So I just think that to for the community to be so much higher on Juju than these other guys, that's where I draw the line. I'm not going to pretend like I have just a crystal clear idea of who's going to be leading the way here. But because of that, I have Sky, MVS, and Juju ranked within seven spots of one another. I don't know how we have Juju going right now as the freaking 28th wide receiver off the board ahead of Brandon Cooks, ahead of Darnell Mooney. Like, no, give me the outright number one. I know that Patrick Mahomes offense has a bunch of upside, but isn't it a little bit weird, Dwayne, that not a single wide receiver other than Tyree Kill has been worth anything in this offense? Like nothing, nothing at all. One of the most productive passing games in the NFL, Sammy Watkins in 2018 turned in a wide receiver 38 finish PPR points per game. So per game basis, wide receiver 38. The next year he finished as a wide receiver 58. Those are the only two times that someone not named Tyree Kill finished better than 70th in PPR points per game, man. Again, like there's been enough room in this offense for a potential third option to come. It hasn't come to fruition. So I don't think any of these guys are going to replace Tyree Kill. And I think there's a chance that we only see two of them even flirt with that kind of wide receiver three-esque value. It's all adding up for Travis Kelsey, who we'll get to in a second. But yeah, for me, I have Sky Moore. I'm going to bump him up just a couple spots. Probably about wide receiver 39, wide receiver 40. I do like MVS as the wide receiver 47. I have Juju, wide receiver 48. Dwayne, I was joking with you, man. I was finalizing like my first post-draft uh, post ranks excuse me, about a week ago. 
had a couple of beers. I enjoy having a couple of beers from time to time. And when I came back and looked at the ranks uh, afterwards, I had him like <laughs> wide receiver 59, just having like paid no attention to ADP and stuff like, you know, slightly drunk Ian decided that I would rather take almost 60 wide receivers ahead of Juju and Dwayne, I'm moving him up because that's just reckless. Obviously, like there's enough. I understand I'm, you know, I'm going to be wrong with some of the stuff when enough people are putting him higher. At some point, you just got to take the value with it. But I really do think you can make the case for 60 wide receivers ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster and just from that case alone man I am not going to be reaching on him and anything like if there is ever a receiver priced I think closer to his ceiling than floor it's Juju right now yeah and, and I and again I I get why people are pushing him up the board because of the offense because nobody wants to be wrong on missing out on who who breaks out for the Chiefs here's the problem like it could be none of these guys Right. A lot of times when a player like Tyreek Hill leaves uh, a player like Devonte Adams, the same thing's going to be true for Green Bay. You know, we don't have anyone else just step in and demand 25 percent of the targets. Do you know why? Because that's freaking hard. <laughs> you have to be really good to demand, you know, 23, 24, 25. And for Devonte Adams case, you know, 28, 30 percent to demand those type of targets. You have to be a really, really, really elite player. And so it's not just like anybody can step in and take those. It's most likely going to get spread around across all these guys. I like the chip on Sky Moore over Juju because I feel like I've seen enough of Juju's declining profile. Yak, everything's down, not just the things you mentioned. Um, so I just, I, it's, it's, I'm with you. But ADP is a factor, so that keeps him for me. I've got him at wide receiver 37, um, you know, but his ADP over an underdog's 28. So if you're going off my ranks, you're not going to draft Juju unless he falls to you which is basically what I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to put Juju in a range that, look, if he fell in your lap and you were using my ranks, you would still take him at that point because fine, he's in the Chiefs. We, You and I, Ian, could be wrong. If there is a team we don't want to miss on, I get it. It's the Chiefs. But don't let that overinflate his value too much, which is what the market has done right now. So I'm good with it. Um, as far as MVS, no, hold um, on. I, I have one more thing. Oh, go ahead. You. Oh, like my, this, my bad. I thought you were headed MVS. You okay. mentioned the yak. Like This doesn't even make sense, bro. Like He wasn't always this low a dot wide receiver he was at 9.8 9.9 uh excuse me yeah 9.8 9.9 9.9 his first three seasons in the league in terms of average target depth his yak per reception was at 5.9 or higher in each of those years he had he a six been, in there yeah he hasn't been able to beat four even though his average target depth is going down like that tells you that he's getting more yak friendly plays designed for him and he still has been worse than he even was before that's why like i rejected the idea I was in on Juju in 2019 because I didn't think that I thought the target volume would more than make up for Antonio Brown's absence in the offense and a bunch of injuries. He only had 77 I was with targets. You. I was with you. Only yeah. had 77 targets in 2019. And maybe those injuries have just changed them because the guy that we saw like as a rookie, like just outrunning the whole Patriots defense on that crosser, like he was just, you know, the Broncos at 98 that yard Monday touchdown night, he yeah. had. Like, my God, the things he used to do with the ball in his hands were like truly breathtaking from time to time. We just haven't seen that guy for the better part of the last three years. Maybe it has been those injuries, but even in 2021, before he got hurt, man, just nothing was there. And when we can't point to a single thing on this guy's resume other than, hey, maybe Patrick Mahomes will figure it out. Yeah, I'm not in there. So, And I'm not big on narratives, but like when you look at Juju, the other thing that like to me is kind of baffling, you know, he'll only be 26 year old. He'll be 25.8 years old this year when the season starts. So he'll turn 26 in the season. A 26 year old receiver that has had a season like what he had in 2018 for two off seasons 
could not get a big NFL contract. Like, I think that also tells you a lot. Now, this last year, if you want to discount that because he was dealing with injuries, he's coming off an injured season. But it was the same thing the year before. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't even end up with the tag on him. They got him for on a one-year deal for less than what the tag would have been. So, like, Juju, to me, like, the league is also sending us the same signals, that they see him as really, you know, a big slot receiver that is not an electric playmaker. Could that come through on volume alone? Look, 18% targets per route run if he can play the whole season and the Chiefs stay as pass-happy as we think that they could. Like, that alone will probably pay him off as, you know, a high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three. But can he really give you more than that, which is what you're looking for with where he goes based on ADP? I would be, if Juju was going two rounds later than what he is right now, I would probably be even to the market and exposure just because I'd be, I would go along and say, okay, it is the Chiefs. If he just gets the 18%, I'm fine. You know, whereas a guy like Gabriel Davis going in the fifth or sixth round, I'm willing to buy into because I think the arrow is still pointed up. He's an 18% targets per route run guy on, a, on an offense similar to what Juju is going to play on but has big ability down the field, has ability to break plays underneath. And look, we know there's questions in Gabriel Davis's profile as well, but only going into year three, I'm willing to pay for some upside, right, and spend a round six pick. I don't want to spend a round five, an early round six pick, on a guy that we think the arrow is headed the opposite way. Like, it's just, they're, they're even though they both play in really good offenses, and I think that's why they also get grouped together, they go pretty close to each other in ADP, but I think they're very different. Bro, like... Last year, Curtis Samuel, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, these guys are getting like multi-year, 10 plus million dollars per season, all close. I think Aguilar was more like eight or nine, but the fact Juju couldn't fetch anything like that. I did a big study this offseason looking at how, you know, high-priced free agent additions have historically performed upon switching teams. These were basically going back to 2016, the only guys like making less than $15 million total on their contract that actually kind of gave us something. Ted Ginn on the Saints, AJ Green on the Cardinals, Bart. Not high here, as you can tell already. Marvin Jones on the Jaguars. Danny Amendola on the Lions. Randall Cobb on the Cowboys. John Brown on the Ravens. Alshon Jeffrey on the Eagles. Nelson Aguilar with the Raiders. So there's a few hits in there, but man, there's a lot more misses. And when we have to pay a premium like we are right now, I am mostly out. Let's talk a little bit of MVS. Again, doesn't quite have the history of earning targets that we would prefer. $30 million over three years is pretty significant. And I do think as we... I think one of the big next steps that I would like to thank some of our PFF, you know, nerds over there in the, uh, you know, research and development side of things. I love all you guys. Just chill. Uh, I think one thing they're hopefully working on here soon is this idea of gravity. And we've seen it kind of come into the NBA circles a lot. How someone like Steph Curry spotting up on the three-point line can cause an entire defense to kind of warp over to him and how that opens up things for everyone else. I think Tyree Kill is the best at that in the league, but MVS does a lot of good things from that angle. You can't just leave him one-on-one with a corner because he'll run by them. And he's 6'4", you know, 210 pounds, so he's a pretty tough guy to necessarily handle at the catch point as well. He is going to make this offense better just from... He's, he'll make this offense better than if they didn't have him, I'm going to say. They're not going to be better without Tyree Kill. Please, God, no, don't put that, put, put those words in my mouth. But having MVS out there, like compared to, you know, Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson, that's definitely a net positive for that group. The question is, Dwayne, is it really worth our time in fantasy? At a minimum, I don't care that much about MVS and redraft, but this dude's always been built for best ball. Yeah, I mean, his ADP is quite a bit less. Now, it's, it's climbing. Like, I, I was into MVS back when he was 11th, 12th round. Right. But now, like he climbs into the ninth round in some drafts. So that that's getting a little steep, like over on underdog, it's pick 49. 
FFPC, which is full point PPR, and you have two flex spots, um, 57, so a little bit after because you don't have to start three wide receivers over there. Um, but it's just getting a little bit, you know, expensive. And, and, and I get it. Like, he played with Devonta Adams. But usually by now, I, I can't believe the, the Chiefs paid him that much. Like, I get it. He can be a deep threat. We know these things. But even playing with Devonta Adams, like, Devonta Adams, you could have gotten 18%, you know, targets, right? You didn't, you didn't need to have, like, a 30%er. Like, we know that's not happening when you've got another target hog on the team. The problem for me with MVS is targets per route run have never been over a wide receiver six. Like, just just show me a wide receiver four. <laughs> you know, and again, remember, targets per route run, we like to look at that because it gets rid of, like, it's just when you're on the field, right? Um, and so that's problematic for me with MVS. Like, you know, it's there's a hit every once in a while like this, but it's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you got like two outs left on the river, you know, and you're playing poker. Like, it's just hard to hit on these. Um, but the ADP is better. So MVS is another guy that, if he slides past ADP, just because I don't want to be completely without these guys, because to your point, like none of this is perfect science. Like we're, we're trying to play the probabilities here and the data says that MVS is probably not going to be a hit, but because he plays on the chiefs and we know if he does hit, it could hit in such a way that we would regret not having him. I'm willing to get, take exposure, but it has to be past ADP. And it's, it's really hard to get though, because most of the people that take Mahomes, especially in the best ball draft, they're looking to stack somewhere um, you know, with Mahomes, they're, they're, they're looking to grab a chief and a lot of guys go after Mahomes. So it's really hard, you know, unless a, a drafters just falling asleep, basically, you know, at the will and, and, you know, MVS slides to him, you know, once he gets to round 10, like pretty much it should be an automatic, right. That the Mahomes owner or a drafter should go ahead and take him. So it's really hard for him to slide past ADP, I think because of that. But when he does, I'll definitely take him. Dwayne, why is the only returning major wide receiver in this passing game, the cheapest one available on Michael Hardman. Yeah. And I think, well, I think you could argue that he's actually shown more, you know, recently than the other two. Um, it's not been great, but Michael Hardman at least has put up a wide receiver for receiving grade each of the last three years. I mean, he's consistent 69.6, 69.7, 69.4. Like, I mean, it's as consistent as it gets. He's put up wide receiver five numbers, at least on targets per route run and yards per route run over the last two seasons. As a rookie, he did have a 1.84 yards per route run, which was wide receiver three worthy. So for me, McCall Hardman at ADP is actually um, the guy that I get the most from, you know, the chiefs receiving core outside of sky Moore just because of where he's going with ADP. Now, I'm not getting like crazy with it, but I, I feel like he's probably just as good of a bet as Marquise Valdez-Scantling, um, you know, at the ADP that you're getting him at. Looking at my ranks right now, I do think that it probably deserves, I mean, I'm fine putting Miko last in the tier. I'm not saying we need to rank him yeah. ahead of them, but it probably should be a tier. How old do you think Josh Gordon is? Josh Gordon is 30. 31. That's not uh, bad, man. Damn. I thought it, yeah, no, dude, man, Josh has been, he's one of these guys that have been around so long, you know, uh, but it's been so long since we got to see that, that second year. Oh my God. That was so tantalizing. Unfortunately for you, uh, any fellow flash truthers still out there, if the guy couldn't get it done with Brady or even in first year with Mahomes, can't expect it now, but I would love to be wrong. There, there's not another player in this league. I would love to be wrong on more than Josh Gordon. If he, what if Josh Gordon just takes control? It won't happen. It won't happen, but you could imagine. All right. I, I would love it as well. Like, I don't, I'd be hard to root against that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Tight end. 
Travis Kelsey. He's our tight end one, right? Oh, where do you have Mecole? Sorry. Just where do you have Mecole Hardman in your ranks? <sighs> I had too far down to look him up. I had him at a, I wrote down 82, but that's not right. He should be top 60, 65. Yeah. I've got him right now um, as my wide receiver, 63. He's okay. going off the board at 58. So just right around ADP. That's over on underdog on FFPC. He's going off the board wide receiver 60. Thanks to fantasy mojo for uh, all the ADP data over on FFPC. As always tight end. We got Travis Kelsey and Blake Bell, the bell dozer, of course, Looking at Kelsey, similar to Mahomes, man. We did see him take a step back last season. PFF receiving grade, 86.4. That was his lowest in at least four years in the Mahomes era. Yards per route run, 1.84. He was at 2.5 in 2020. Yards per reception, 12.2. Yards after the catch per reception actually did go up. We can also look at the lower A dot and kind of figure that one out. Even the targets per route run, 21.4% instead of 24.6% last year. Dwayne? I think it makes sense to have a lesser version of Travis Kelsey. He's getting older. With that said, tight end, other than quarterback, we have seen the most, you know, 30-plus-year-old uh, performers be able to maintain the high-end fantasy value. We have more potential for targets than ever. Not that that's really been an issue. Last four years, he's been second, first, second, and second in total targets at the tight end position. I just think, ultimately, even if we do think he's regressing a little bit in terms of his talent, like, look at our... PFF projections, which we continue to work on and we'll continue to, you know, master throughout the rest of the offseason with the rest of the PFF crew. But like right now, Travis Kelsey is projected for 143 targets. Mark Andrews is at 137. No other tight ends are even over 115. So even a lesser version of Travis Kelsey with the volume on hand, I don't know how you can put him lower than second. I have him first. Yeah, I've got him projected for 135, um, and that's being, you know, I mean, that's right about where he's been, 131, 139, 130, 139. You know, but, man, dude, look, it's even if he does regress a little, like last year was still 92 receptions for 1,125 yards and nine touchdowns. Sometimes just the raw, you know, just the counting stats are the ones that, like, just blow you away. And, I, and I, the, eye test, the, the eye test wasn't bad. Like, that Chargers game, some of the things he was doing after the catch, like, he still looked like one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end in the league. Right. And tight ends, we've talked about it before, and you've even looked at this. Um, you know, they can play longer, you know. So I mean, does some does he start to lose, you know, some of his ability after the catch? Yeah, but we've already seen some of that, you know, impact him. You know, when he was when he was really young, like we saw him up in the sevens. But really he's kind of been in the fives and sixes since then. Like he's there's not been some dramatic drop off in, in yards after the catch, you know, per reception. So um, and look, anytime you have last year, look guys, he was only a 13% target share in the end zone and he still scored nine touchdowns over the two years before 31% and 30% year before that 23%, even going back five years ago, 37%. So he's only had, that's his worst target share in the end zone, uh, for the team in his career. And it's and you know, every other year, except one has been double that he's at least been 26% and he's got multiple 30 percenters. So like just on that alone, like even if say the yak came down a little bit, maybe his targets per route run, even though, you know, he's the centerpiece of everything now, even if that for some reason went down a little bit, like if that third, if that jumps back to 30%, like immediately, man, in the chiefs offense, that means you've got an upside to score 12, 15 touchdowns. He's never gotten that high. He scored nine, 11, five, 10 over the last four years. But I mean, it, it puts him at near lock. I don't know how he scored nine touchdowns last year, to be honest, like with only 13% <laughs> target share in the end zone, um, you know, given what he had done in previous seasons. But like that just shows you that there's actually room for him to do more, um, you know, down, you know, towards the end zone 
where the Chiefs, you know, look, looking at the rest of these guys, they did get bigger. So MVS is a bigger target down there. Juju from the slot is a pretty big guy. Sky Moore, obviously not. Um, so, I mean, you could have some other guys involved, but I would struggle to, you know, um, I have him projected, you know, for 28% of the end zone targets this season, like when I run my stuff. So it's hard for me to put him any lower than that. Overall rankings here, are the only guys I have ahead of him. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, and then at number 12, I have Travis Kelsey. Would you move him higher or lower? I uh, have him just one spot lower, but I don't argue with it, man. Like it's Okay. It's, I, I'm just, uh, again. Who, who, who do you have ahead? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, so I've got um, from top to bottom, it's Taylor, McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, CeeDee Lamb, Stefan Diggs, Derek, Henry, Devontae Adams, and Dalvin Cook. And then below oh, him, Dalvin. I've got, okay. right after him, I've got Joe Mix and Mark Andrews. That's fair. Yeah, I got Dalvin just two spots away, so not too off. Look, I don't think, again, rationally, I'm not sure how anyone in this industry could rank him lower than second. He's just, he's ahead of that other tier. What about Dynasty, though, Dwayne? He is getting up there a little bit in age. And if you look at his contract, like he's obviously here for 2022, but starting next year, man, the Chiefs would only have 1.4 million in dead money and they'd be saving 13 million plus against the cap if they chose to cut or trade Kelsey after June 1st. Never say never, man. We just saw what happened with Tyreek Hill. Do you think now would be a good time to sell Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Unless you're trying to win the championship, you know, this year, um, you know, which, you know, we're always trying to do, but (laughs) you, you know, you can be honest with yourself, like what kind of chance you think you have versus your opponents. Um, But yeah, I think selling this year or sometime during the season, like is, is what you want to get done. Just what an absolutely phenomenal career with Kelsey. I mean, truly, the overall tight end one from 2016 to 2020, like you just don't see that at any other position. We haven't had a running back repeat as the overall RB1, let alone even have multiple seasons as the overall RB1 since Priest Holmes in 03 and 04, and Kelsey ripped that shit off five straight seasons. Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, man, it didn't matter. So, you know, every career must come to an end. He's only What I try to do... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Ian. I was going to say he's only, I think, 144 days younger than Rob Gronkowski. So really, uh, probably at some point we are going to see a drop off. I do agree right now. It's a good time to sell in Dynasty. So a good way to like approach those kind of guys, you know, you're looking across your league, you know, which teams think they're in the running, right, to win the whole thing. Or, you know, maybe the top three to four teams, you find the two that don't have the elite tight end you start putting in your trade offers. And like one of the ways that I've been able to get some of these things done is don't ask for their first rounders the next year. Ask for the ones the year out, right? Because people are always like pushing it down the line. They're like, oh, wow, I get Travis Kelsey and I don't even have to give up my first next year. Now, maybe you're able to get, you know, a first next year and the one after. I don't know your league. I don't know your scoring format. No clue, you know, but every league can be a little bit different. But like, I love putting out the type of offers where, look, you get the immediate gratification, you know, person I'm trying to trade with. And also I'm going to delay you even having to pay me, but eventually like I am going to get, you know, max value out of Kelsey. Um, But it's just a better trade for them. And, you know, it works for you so you can make the move. I mean, you guys, you guys, again, know your leagues and know how to handle and work with the other players in your league. That's just something that, you know, I've done. 
quick recap here. Patrick Mahomes, still a consensus top five quarterback for us. I have him fourth. Dwayne has him fifth. But yeah, don't be afraid in the early rounds of draft to make a move there. Awfully easy to stack him with all of his underpriced wide receivers. Maybe not underpriced, just cheap wide receivers, I should say. At running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Ronald Jones arguably are two favorite players on the Chiefs at their value right now. Clyde is a top 24 running back for Dwayne and myself not being priced like that. Keep gobbling him up in round six, round seven, whenever you can get him in that spot. And Ronald Jones is someone that could honestly fall into the end zone 10 plus times this year. I think he's a lot better as a rusher than people give him credit for. Don't take our word for it. Look at what Andy Reid said. Look at what the front office has done. Ronald Jones is going to have a big role in this offense in 2022. At wide receiver, we are prioritizing Sky Moore, number one. MVS and Juju pretty close to each other. I lean a little bit MVS, but due to the ADP discrepancy, probably Juju. But because of that ADP discrepancy, neither Dwayne nor myself plan on having much Juju. Nicole Hardman, where he's going in the drafts, might not be a bad dart throw. And at tight end, Travis Kelsey still very much the tight end one or tight end two with Mark Andrews. Either way, expect him to keep on keeping on. I have him 12th overall. Dwayne has him 13th. Perfectly content taking him at that round one turn. Sound right, Mr. McFarlane. Yeah, the only other thing I would throw in there, uh, we didn't get to it, receiver. Uh, Justin Ross was signed by this team after the NFL draft. Now, not many teams had any sort of draftable grade on Ross because of the spinal fusion. And so, like, look, he could have to battle this injury. But at the end of the day, like, of all the receivers coming out in the draft class for 2022, Justin Ross had the number one yards per route run for college receivers. And now he gets to play on an offense where we've talked about it's – you know, as much as we, you know, can see the plan that the Chiefs have, you know, for the way they want to mix these guys in, they could also all miss, which creates a unique situation for a player that probably would have been a second round NFL draft pick had he not been hurt. So that's just something to remember. It's not your typical, uh, you know, undrafted free agent. This guy was a really good player, especially early on in Clemson, you know, did get injured, wasn't quite as good whenever he came back, really turned more into a possession-looking big slot-type receiver. Watch out, Juju. Um, <laughs> so just keep an eye on him, you know, and uh, it will, he'll be a name to really watch in camp. Also a name to remember in your rookie drafts if you haven't already done it. You know, if you're in like a six-round rookie draft, get to your last pick, you don't know what to do. Like, you know, Ross is a name that I like throwing out there. Thank you for getting that. I go through the draft tracker. I look at the depth chart and I just, I, I let you down and the listeners down, Dwayne, by missing Justin Ross. But <laughs> that's why we're a team, man. We're good. That's we're good. A, amen to that. Real quick, though, with Ross, since we didn't, you know, give him his due during the wide mm-hmm. receiver section, going off the board, wide receiver 88 over at Underdog Fantasy. I still think someone like Julio, even your Kendrick Bourne is in that area, maybe a little more worthwhile. Like there is a chance that Justin Ross just like doesn't even make the team. I guess that would be my just one hesitation. But it's also, uh, I think you brought this up when we were doing our best ball stream, Dwayne. It's why in those very later rounds of the draft, it's almost better to take maybe a potential running back handcuff as opposed to a wide receiver that you really need a lot of things to go right for them to be worthwhile. Yeah, a lot of the receivers that are going in the last couple rounds right now or as we go through the preseason, and especially once the camp hype hits, right, these names will fluctuate in and out of the bottom parts of drafts, um, you know, end up being complete, you know, dead squares on your best ball team because they don't even make the team, right, or they never play. So what I had just, you know, by just drafting and trying to draft more and more of them, 
I was just feeling better if I get to the end of the draft and I can, you know, I need a third tight end and their name's Austin Hooper. I know Austin Hooper's going to play, <laughs> you know, versus, you know, some of the receivers you're taking or taking the handcuff running back that you're talking about, you know, that could come week 15, like have a blow up game for you. Um, because we know with the backs, like volume is the primary thing that's going to drive their value. So, but the other part of that plan is you need to have enough receivers on your roster that you feel really good, right? Going into round 17 and 18. Um, that doesn't mean you can't take receivers in those two rounds. It's just, uh, that's something that, you know, I've kind of felt when I've been drafting personally, like when I'm taking the back or the tight end, I actually feel better that the pick is probably a going to make the team and B could end up really helping my team. We'll be back with the Raiders on Tuesday, Chargers on Thursday, Broncos on Friday. I mean, AFC West, man, just a class of the NFL, I think, at this point. I mean, you could make the argument for the NFC West, I think, last year and kind of looking ahead. But when you take Russ from Seattle and send him over, you know, across the pond to the AFC West, I just don't think there's another division in Teams football. in the West, period, man. Like, And they get to play each other this year. AFC Dude, like, West and NFC West pay, play each other, plus get to play in their divisions. Like, it's there could be so many shootouts. You know, there, between all of that, there just isn't another division that has four elite quarterbacks like this. Maybe, if, you know, maybe if we get some steps forward from guys or the Watson situation resolves itself. But right now, AFC West just completely loaded. Can't wait to watch these guys hopefully get in some uh, primetime shootouts. So much more on the way. Appreciate you guys tuning in for as always. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 